so there's been, there was a change in the uh, schedule here, uh, and they asked me to, to uh, step in and teach or talk about uh, our ministry, Teach to Transform. And uh, it's basically building medical, uh, veterinary, dental modules to go and teach in short-term mission trips and, how, and that impact. So this is the topic we'll be talking about. So sorry if you were expecting... Uh, I believe the speaker that was scheduled is going to uh, be speaking later. So, uh, if you're if you're looking for that, but this is this is about short-term missions and the impact you can have uh, by teaching medical, dental, veterinary, agriculture. So, uh, the organization that uh, that I work with is Teach to Transform. And the philosophy of Teach to Transform is empowering local pastors to uh, and community leaders to uh, have a skill set that they can have access to uh, spread the gospel. So my name is uh, Tom McKechnie. I'm an ER physician. I've been practicing emergency medicine for 30, about 30 years here in Louisville, uh, about five, years, uh, five to seven years ago, I guess, uh, the Lord put missions on my heart. And uh, I, like many, have gone um, uh, and done large medical mission trips where we see hundreds and thousands of patients. And uh, I started wondering about the impact I was having. Uh, so the thing that kept uh, coming up in my mind was uh, Matthew 28. And as you can, as we all familiar with this uh, this verse in the Bible, it was uh, three things that stood out: go and teaching. And we had a conference. Uh, for Teach to Transform, and one of the African pastors, Dr. or uh, Pastor King's Pride, he has been a speaker here before. If any of you know him, he's from Ghana. He wanted me to add, obey. So uh, the first thing we need to do is have the courage to go. And uh, I've been blessed to, to be with uh, some very courageous African pastors, Asian, Afghanistan, Haiti, uh, who are very courageous uh, practicing and spreading the gospel in very difficult areas of the world. Uh, the, the second thing that came uh, that struck out to me that the Lord spoke to me is the teaching piece. So um, I've been focusing on empowering short-term teams to be able to leave an impact and teach the pastors uh, to lift up their uh, their skill sets so they can gain access. So my short-term teams, uh, I have uh, been pretty much all over the world now, uh, and this is a, a pretty typical scene that we see is just hundreds and thousands of patients that show up for a medical clinic because they've never had access. Uh, have all of you been on short-term trips, any medical that look like this? It's a pretty familiar setting. So the thing that, uh, that touched me is how do we have an impact uh, with this many people? And the thing that kept haunting me is that the scene looked like this even after uh, we had finished our clinic. So we'd be working for 12 hours and we still had this type of uh, uh, scenes out, outside our clinic. So Initially, when I went, I would come back and say, gosh, I was actually on a trip that we saw 5,000 patients in a week. And it was a huge team. So we came back. We were very proud of the fact that we saw that many. But the, the thing that kept uh, haunting me is this, this is the line as it looked as we left. Uh, I was with my wife one evening, and, and I said, are the lines getting any shorter? And this is, was after working 12 hours. sun was going down. And she said, no, they're actually growing. And it's amazing in Africa and in Asia, when you start these clinics, the word gets out and people sometimes walk miles, sometimes days to get to the clinic. So this is the scene we kept seeing, and I, I struggled with how to end it. Many times we would say, okay, I had my teams gather up vitamins, and we would go out and hand everybody vitamins. 
uh, five or six. Uh, sometimes I would walk through the crowd and see if I could pick out the sickest of the sick. And um, that, that was one way to end, but then it was still frustrating to me that they were then becoming dependent on the next team that came in, sometimes years, sometimes months later. Uh, so that was a, a struggle I had, and, and uh, I saw great ministries like uh, that you'll see talked about here. Empower's got a great dental ministry where they would actually empower pastors, teach them how to extract teeth. So when they left, they still have um, they still have a ministry. Holland Kendall, I've worked with many times, and I'll talk about him. Uh, he would go in with his eye ministry and leave it a refractor, and, and so they could continue to have these clinics. So this was the dilemma I had. And I kept uh, thinking in my mind, is there a way that we can teach medical? So I came back, talked to my colleagues, and they said, well, you spend all this money going. Why don't you just send the money and let them do this? Because are you having an impact? And they were correct. But I said, well, how, how about uh, partnering with me and we'll figure out a way to teach some medical skills? I don't want to teach them to be doctors. I just want to teach them to be healthcare screeners. Well, some bought in, some didn't. They thought uh, it was a lot of ego and pride, I think, that they – can you, if you can imagine that, doctors with egos. But they would say, uh, you know, we went 12 years to school. We can't teach a lay pastor to do what we do. We're too big a deal, as my boys would say. So, uh, so I kept thinking about it. So I thought, how do we share Christ in a crowd like this? And there's two people in here that you can pick out. There's a t- uh, gentleman in a gray suit there, and it uh, looks almost like his twin. And I thought, well, what if we could give him the skill, because he is so courageous he, works, he knows the culture, he knows the language, and he's there every day with them. So how about lifting him up and uh, giving him a skill set that he can uh, minister to his people and at the same time, through the church, uh, lift up the church and spread the gospel, which is the main point of all this. So what we did is uh, God took me on a little field trip because I wasn't getting it. So he took me to Haiti right after the earthquake I went in, and uh, that was probably one of the most awful things I've ever seen. There was so much uh, uh, destruction and and uh, saw so many people suffering that I uh, we saw doctors come in and out and it was interesting that uh, in this situation we set up right across from the palace and it was immediately after the uh, earthquake and it was interesting that the doctors that came in after the Haiti earthquake were from all over the world some of them uh, came came in with a humanitarian mindset some came in with a Christian mindset the humanitarian doctors lasted two or three days threw up their hands and said, there's no way to fix this. I can't have an effect. I'm leaving. The Christian doctors uh, had a different mindset that uh, this was a perfect opportunity that we could share the gospel. So people would come in and say, uh, God shook our, our, uh, our island, and the only people that are staying are the Christians. We want to hear about your Jesus. So it was a very easy opening to, to minister to many of these people who were suffering. And the, and the injuries were... Uh, Beyond, uh, you know, as an ER doctor for so long, I've seen a lot of carnage, and I've seen a lot of pain and suffering, but this was beyond anything I'd ever seen. Uh, there were children with amputations and uh, wounds that were going to take months to heal because they'd been crushed. Uh, so as I began to work, I thought, well, what are we leaving behind here? Uh, I'm fixing these wounds, but I told, I was with the Baptists at that point. I worked with all different organizations. And I said, what are we leaving behind here? Who's going to take care of these wounds when the media stops coming and then... Uh, the organizations leave. And Haiti is a perfect example to me of throwing money at a situation and how it doesn't work. Because you have created so much dependency in Haiti that every time they see uh, any healthcare worker, white, whatever color, their hands are up. Because that's what they've learned. That's they, We come, we fix, we give them things until the next team comes in. So I started teaching my translators how to care for wounds. And I said, now when I leave and everybody stops paying attention to you, 
someone has to take care of these wounds and here's how you do it. So by the third day, I stepped away from my station and they were cleaning all my wounds. I actually expanded my station and they were so loving and caring. They were praying with them and the wounds were, they were doing a great job. So I talked to the, to the organization I was in. I said, we really need to change our, our method here and do some teaching. So that was the first thing God uh, kind of showed me. So then I, uh, this year, formed an organization called Teach to Transform. So our philosophy is to break the cycle of dependency by empowering, to be a research, a research, a resource. I'm sorry for churches, organizations, missions uh, that we can go to your church, meet your organization, and teach them how to use their skill set. And the other thing that we're doing is we've put out 2,000 emails to mission departments all over the United States that I've offered to come show them the way we should uh, focus on missions is not to go and do, which is a mindset that is still prevalent, but to go and teach and empower these, these local communities. So uh, that's, uh, we'll come back to that, but that's kind of the, uh, what God put on my heart, and that's kind of where we're at. So here we are in, in Sudan. We started with a clinic of 2,000. So it's not, a, it's not a bad idea. When you go into these areas, you'll get thousands of people come. You lift up the pastors because they realize that there's something happening. God is doing some work there. So you lift up the pastors, you lift up the church, and then the long-term plan is to come back, walk with them. In fact, uh, King's Pride, who I'll mention here, he's got a ministry in Ghana where he's, he has now pulled over 40,000 teeth, taught by Empower, and he's got a tremendous ministry. He's converting Muslims so quickly that he has no one to walk with them. So he found that of all these people he's converting, only about 25% continue to walk with Christ, and he found the, the common factor in that is those who had someone to walk with them were the ones that were staying. The others would fall back. Like many of us, you know, when we become, become Christians, we become complacent, and all of a sudden we're back. So it's such a powerful ministry, he can't keep up with it. So the, so the, the first thing I do is... Um, Steve Saint's done a wonderful uh, focus on missions dilemmas where he's interviewed pastors that they say, we're tired of you coming and fixing us and telling us what we need. We want you uh, to walk with us. Bring Christ, not your culture. Okay? So we work with an organization called Life in Abundance. Have any of you heard of Life in Abundance? It's an awesome ministry. It's all over the Horn of Africa, started by uh, Dr. Florence Mwindi, if you get a chance to hear her. So she goes into these areas meets the, uh, empowers the church, the pastors, and then asks them what their needs are. So we found that these were the, the things that they were struggling with uh, medically. So I came home and started building these modules, uh, and I just uh, thanked the Lord for my wife because she is non-medical, and I would sit for hours building these modules, and I would run them by her, and if they were too complicated then I knew they were too much. So I would write medical terms in there, and she goes, oh, that, you know, it's like an infected finger is a paronychia. And I'd say, well, what do you think? And she goes, I don't even know what that is. What is it? And I said, it's an infected finger. And she'd say, then write infected finger and then just walk off. <laughs> so, I'd, so she was my critiquer, and uh, after 38 years, she, uh, I truly needed uh, her guidance. So these are the things that, we, that I put together. Wound care because I was in Afghanistan in the Darfur area. And in Haiti, that was, that's everywhere in the world. You need wound care. Uh, so these are the things that we started to build on, and, and then we would just start teaching pastors. So the way I would do this is I would set up a, a little teaching area, wherever that is, under a tree, in a classroom, and uh, I have video. I have all sorts of technology that I use depending on the area and what the situation is. But this is in South Sudan under a tree. So these are the pastors that I was training. So we talk about things in the morning, then we start the clinic, and I work with them. They have the modules, and they just flip through them. It, it's all mostly pictures so that it's not, uh, not a lot of verbiage in there for translation purposes. 
But this young man here was Ding. Uh, Ding in Sudan means born under, born in the rain. So uh, his name was Ding Ding. So his father was born in the rain, and he was born in the rain. And this could go on and on, Ding Ding Ding. But but uh, <laughs> but I I stood up in front of him uh, and taught him how to do um, a blood pressure, and it was about a five minute little talk of how to use it. And I sat down and I make them, so I let them see it. Then they go out in the clinic and they do it. And to make sure I'm not losing something in the translation, I have them teach the class the next time. So he was so eerie that he he um, regurgitated what I had said exactly verbatim with my mannerisms. It, it was they are such a verbal culture that they just it was I, I had never seen anything like that. And I've taught a lot of medical students and residents, uh, but he was he was awesome. So then I so that see one do one teach one the old medical. Uh, uh, philosophy. So this is an example of a head and neck module. So this is what they look at. So I teach them how to look in the throat with the light. Uh, no big, no uh, really time spent on anatomy other than just to point out a few things. So, so what we do is we have pictures. And they would raise their hand after they would see a patient. Then they would say it looks like this picture. And then there's an algorithm of how to teach it. So, so they would look at this, raise their hand. I go, that's exactly right. So being in an emergency medicine background, I wanted to make sure they weren't missing anything. So you, as you can see, this isn't rocket science. The airways are closing off as you look at these lower pictures. Where the air goes down in the middle, you can see that they're starting to close off. So this is things I'd say, if you see this, this is dangerous, they need to get help. So they're very good at, uh, at picking up who was sick and who wasn't. Eardrums, the same thing. We taught them how to use the otoscope, uh, normal ear. Uh, ear getting worse, it's bulging, and then a perforation. So they would raise their hand and say, this ear looks like this. So you can see um, how simple this is. And I'm not turning them into doctors. I'm turning them into healthcare screeners so they know who's sick, who's, who's not. Uh, we, we came across in Haiti, in Sudan, many children. Uh, I've had start clinics where the mothers would bring dead babies to me in the morning that they struggle with in the evenings. And it just really uh, was a burden uh, to me. So I thought, well, if I can just teach him to do an IM injection of an antibiotic, there's a real powerful antibiotic called rocephin that would really make a difference. So this is one of the pastors. Uh, we, we went over milligrams per kilogram. Some of these people uh, are so intelligent, they picked up so quickly. So within an afternoon, we taught him how to give an IM injection. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen babies saved who come in uh, with all sorts of overwhelming infections. We give three days of antibiotics, and they start turning around. It's, uh, uh, from that, we've carried on uh, OB modules, and I'll show you here in a minute. But, uh, so we've got an IM injection module, and I kind of isolate who I teach that to, and that's uh, some of the pastors who really, you know, like anything, uh, some people really get it quickly. So then the next thing I said, well, we're going to build more medical. And the key to this, if you take one message home, it's to find out the needs of the people you serve. So I said, well, we'll just build on the medical. And they said, we don't need medical. We need power because the north and the south are going to split the next year, and we don't want to be dependent on their oil for their generators, our cars. So we want uh, some alternate means of, of power. So Life in Abundance calls me, and they said we have, uh, and calls the church. I'm a member of Southeast. They said, we really want to figure out how to get solar. So Teach to Transform, I have... Uh, resources. I call some people that I worked with in Haiti, who uh, actually is Walt Ratterman, who's from Louisville. He was doing solar all over the world. I brought him to Southeast. He did an engineering conference on solar power. He drew on, I, I kind of drew out this compound. I'd been there before, and he said, here's what we can do. He drew it on the back of a napkin. So uh, we were in Haiti together, and I heard it. he'd been killed. He was crushed in the earthquake, putting solar power up. So I thought, well, 
what is God going to do with this? So um, then I called his organization, and he said, yes, there is a person taking over. So the other take-home point of this and why I tell you this story is you have to mentor people. Uh, Teach to Transform is not Dr. Tom. That's the least thing I want. I want to mentor young people behind me, young doctors, to come up and take this over uh, because Walt had the wisdom to do that, and his, and his ministry was carried on. So this is the gentleman. Uh, so we said, okay, we'll do solar. But I said, I don't want to take you in there, put up a solar panel, and no one knows what to do with it. And I go back there a year later, no one's using it, and they're back to their generators. Well, here's what happened is we had solar classroom every day. So you can see, it doesn't come in clear, but there was uh, diagrams. And, and look at all these pastors who became solar-powered experts. So when, as we leave the compound, he had the wisdom, and Walt taught him that he crashes the system. So while they're celebrating, they turn the switch the next day. You've turned dark into night, or, or uh, night, how does that go? Day into night. And uh, they were all celebrating and dancing. The next day, it didn't work. And they came to him and said, what do we do? And he says, I've taught you what to do. Find the problem. So they did. They found it. They sorted it out. And it was just uh, uh, God's glory that they were able to, uh, to own this to this day. I think we're four years into this now. It's working wonderfully. And uh, we have a medical clinic there that sees 24,000 patients a, day, uh, a year. We have a lab, uh, refrigerator, school, uh, a charging bank for microenterprise, all because of this solar. Uh, so it's a powerful ministry. The next thing they told me is we're having problems with deliveries. We have um, what's called dystocia, uh, deliveries that uh, are difficult, mothers dying, babies getting infections. So I came back and I uh, talked to my OB nurses. Uh, I talked to some OB doctors, and we put a module together for OB. Very simple. Um, and this is our first day there. I always like to ask them what their problems are. So I said, how do you deliver babies? We deliver them laying down in the United States. They laughed at that. They thought, lay down where? So this is, they went, this is, she's not actually delivering. You can tell. She was, these are the midwives all got together. So she showed us how they deliver. They have one woman, she's sitting up, the baby drops in the dirt, they clean it off, and then there's some issues with that. So, but this, this showed us what they were doing. So then I let, the, uh, because the women are more comfortable talking to women, uh, I build my teams based on the needs. So I had my OB women in there, and they took over this, this clinic and were t- uh, talking about our module, and they went through it. And uh, we talked about some of the issues they were having. So uh, the women were all uh, very excited about this. And this was their cord care. So I said, well, how are you cutting the cord? They were tying uh, twine around the cord, and they were cutting it with a piece of bark. I don't know if you can see that. I might turn these down a little bit. Uh, So obviously, this isn't rocket science to see. I guess that's it. That help? Uh, So this isn't rocket science. I could teach any one of you that is this bad or good. Probably bad. You're cutting it with dirty bark and you're tying it with twine. So, so what happens is we put together a precip tray that they go to the clinic when they're close to delivery. We taught them about what labor is. They didn't know how they were getting pregnant, some of them. Uh, how do they know they're pregnant? So we started engaging them early in their pregnancies to start coming to the church, the clinic, the pastors. All of a sudden, what does that open up for us? Spreading the gospel. So... Uh, my wife, sitting there listening to this, said, this is a perfect opportunity to get a women's ministry going. Well, women, as you know, in these third world countries are sometimes thought of very, not very highly. So they got them together and they talked about the woman at the well. So they were just blessed with that. And we have a gospel module now where I've got women drawing the pictures of the woman at the well. 
And then we've got uh, translators. I've translated, uh, translated into Spanish. Uh, I think Dr. Tim is here. He took it to Ecuador, and I'll show his, uh, show his picture here in a minute. But uh, So you can see the, the possibilities with spreading the gospel with this. So then we started, well, I thought, well, once we deliver the baby, what issues are we having? And they were seeing, because of the STDs, the gonorrhea, the chlamydia, HIV, they were seeing infections. So you can see how simple this, this is a page out of the module. So drainage is bad. If drainage starts in the first couple of days, it's probably gonorrhea. Here's how you treat it. If it's after, and we've actually got very um, cost-effective ways to do this, mix up a little betadine solution, which is very accessible, wipe it in their eyes preventatively, and they don't get this. If it la- And the next slide says if it comes out after a week, it's probably a different. It's trachoma, which is the most common cause of blindness in the world. So we can actually uh, prevent some of these young kids who come into my clinics five years old blind from trachoma. Uh, we can have an impact there. So uh, this is, again, I want to continue to, to uh, hash this with you so that you understand. Life in abundance is our partner in this situation. They go to our church. Then the church comes to us. We say They said they would like dental. So all of a sudden, we call Empower, who's local here in Louisville. They teach pastors how to do extractions. So all of a sudden, I've got a young dentist working with me, uh, who I've actually known since I was four or five years old, since he was four or five years old. And he has uh, just been a, a real special uh, project uh, in mentoring with me. So now he's, he's one of their, their trainers. So we do the classroom, like I talked about. Then we do, uh, well, we needed a chair. So we have iTech, Steve Saint, which we're all familiar with. He has uh, invented this dental chair, and we can use this for exams. For He's actually, uh, I've talked to him about uh, converting this chair for OB exams. So, so we've got, look at the ministries that God is, is using. We've got iTech with the chair. We've got Empower with Dental. We've got Southeast at the church. We've got Life in Abundance. And look who is, who is doing the work. So by the third day, once again, classroom, uh, working alongside the dentist, they now have a clinic two times a, day, two times a week in South Sudan to take care of their, their people. So when we fly away in the airplane, we still have a ministry behind. And these are pastors, and they are so gentle uh, and so kind and loving, and they pray with them. And, uh, glory be to God. So in Indonesia, we were just there. So the first thing uh, we do is we get off and the uh, Again, our partners in Indonesia said we need medical dental, so uh, I put a medical team together. They put a, a dental team, so we have Empower, we have Teach to Transform. So we thought, okay, well, let's see what we're up against. So we go into the islands, and there are thousands of islands, predominantly Muslim, uh, that the pastor said we would sit on these docks sometimes for a week. They wouldn't let us in, and then they would we'd, they'd try and build a relationship. Uh, so we went into the island, and there was so much disease there, it was unbelievable, so hot, so oppressive, uh, we thought our team will stay on this island. We'll have one island we've covered, may or may not have an impact. So what's a better idea? We ask our partner. They said, well, how about bringing the pastors to you? So the, they bring the pastors. Some of them travel 24 hours in a boat to get to us. And we do our, our, our uh, teaching with the medical dental, just like I've told you. And here's the result. We train 20 pastors who when we ask, what are you going to do with this skill set? Because there has to be accountability. It has to be sustainable. They had outlined the islands and circled them like the CHE model, community health evangelism, and they were assigned islands to go and, and have access. What we've heard is when they go to the island now, rather than sit on the dock, they have their medical pack that we provide, and they have instant access. They develop relationships. They love the people. They have compassion. And all of a sudden, 
Christ is working through that pastor. So what is the difference? Us going to one island, struggling with a bunch of white people trying to, to have an impact in a Muslim culture, or let these pastors who know the culture, the language, and they, have, uh, and they can spread the gospel. Look at the difference between going and doing. So this is another, uh, I'll go through some of the ministries because, like I said, Teach to Transform is not me. It's not an organization. We're a resource that I put the teams together based on the needs of our partner. So they ask us for water treatment. Edge Outreach is now Water Step here in Louisville. This is one of the uh, uh, pastors who learned the, their, uh, their water treatment technique with chlorine. So uh, now this thing is running and, and uh, purifying water. In Somalia, I was just there a month or so ago, and uh, I uh, have also partnered with a different ministry. So this is uh, Sawyer Water. It's a filter that costs $40. Uh, I've eliminated waterborne illness in Sudan by putting this little filter on their water source. It filters everything. Uh, Very inexpensive. So all of a sudden, I come into Somalia, uh, and here they have it on their container. They're taking water off of it. It had just rained. They're taking water off this tarp, dripping it in there and it's purifying their water form. So if you don't have access to power for the other uh, water uh, purifying procedure, we have this. So when you call me, I find out when your church calls me or the partner needs a, needs a uh, water purification and we have a waterborne illness module, uh, I ask what the situation is. Do you have power or no power? And then I call up to either Sawyer Water. So, again, I can customize the team based on where in the world we're going. This is in Haiti. Uh, there was uh, such a problem with cataracts and um, uh, blindness that we went in, taught them Holland Kendall, who's uh, he's on your display floor out here. I've been uh, taking his ministry all over the world, and he is in countries, you name the continent, he's there. So he's got this refractor that reads into this computer, and then we bring in an inventory of glasses. So by the third day, again, my kind of golden rule, I let... Uh, I had a, an ophthalmologist with me, and she said, I can't leave. We've got so many things to do. And I said, you have to go on a home visit uh, so, and let them do this because you're not going to be here two days from now. So they do this, and she comes back all excited. How did it go? And I said, actually, I, uh, good news, bad news. It went, it went much faster without you uh, because we needed no translator. They knew the system, and they, to this day, are giving out glasses with this refractor. So... Uh, again, we have to set our agendas aside, our pride and ego, and teach to go. Uh, and you can have some. So here's our, and then we have a little celebration at the last, when we're leaving. We give them a little certificate that says that they're uh, healthcare screeners uh, and can give eye refraction, and they are continuing to do this ministry. Uh, I always try and partner with the Jesus film in areas that it's safe. Sometimes it's not. But uh, this is in the middle of a de- uh, uh, the bush of South Sudan, we have a partner who gave, uh, provided a speaker. I said, I need a speaker that will broadcast about a football field. So he comes to me, and his, his uh, gift was uh, audio. So he gives me a speaker. It's got to be under 50 pounds. Uh, i got to get it on my back. we got to go in. So he does all this for me. So all of a sudden now we partner with the Jesus Film, and they, uh, this is the screen they gave us. And I was sitting one evening with my wife, and hundreds and hundreds of people came out of the bush. We had no idea where they came from, but they heard Jesus talking in their language. So Karen is counting. Uh, she gets to three or 400, falls asleep. They keep coming. Then she wakes back up and goes, 401, 402. And I said, honey, you have missed a few. Look around. So it's a powerful ministry that the pastors have a, 
uh, are sitting under the screen after it's all over. It's linked to the church, the community, and all of a sudden all these people who are touched. And, and in fact, in Haiti, one of the, uh, one of the people that came to the uh, uh, showing was he, he wanted to leave after Christ was crucified. On the cross, he was crying, and he was running out. I said, does he know the end of the story? So I asked the pastor to go grab him, and he was so distraught, he had never seen this before. So he sat painfully through, and then when he finally saw the resurrected Jesus, he was praising God and giving him the glory. So it's a powerful ministry. This is Karen's on your left. She's not as happy about teaching this module. This is uh, germ theory water, and waterborne illness. So we, teach, we put glitter on this big fly, and we land it on people sitting in the audience, and we see that glitter, and we say, that's germs. Then there's some, that's a, basically a piece of poop there that she grabs on. And, and uh, Chris is, uh, has helped me develop the waterborne with Global Health Media, has a uh, module on cholera. So why do I spend hours doing a waterborne illness when they've done it? I call them. I said, would, would you mind if we partner with you on this? So now we've got their module that we use uh, to teach germ theory, waterborne illness. Uh, so, uh, again, God puts people before you. And uh, I, uh, King's Pride is from Ghana. And, and if you've ever heard him speak, I told him about what we were doing. And he said, you're putting God in a small box. And I go, you think so? And he says, yeah, you have to get out of the way of this ministry. So uh, one day I'm, I'm at a gas station and it was this totally convoluted story how God works. He, uh, this man comes up to me and, and he has a prison ministry. And I said, well, I do mission work. We start chatting a little bit. And I said, what do you have at this prison? He said, we have a, uh, a shop. And I said, well, how about do you make wooden crosses? He goes, we could. So I go out to Luther Luckett. It's right here in town. Uh, the prisoners are now making our wooden crosses by the thousands. And I told them that while you're here, uh, we will be here hands and feet throughout the world, and I come back and tell them stories. And you can see this is in South Sudan. They love these crosses. So in places that it's safe, it's empowering the prisoners. It opened a door for them. Uh, and what was interesting is one of the prisoners said, why should I give this to third world countries? Uh, do you do anything for my family in eastern Kentucky? And uh, glory be to God, I had just been there, and I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we just did. We just were there. And he goes, well, then I'll help you. So <laughs> I had no idea how that was going to connect, but God connected that dot for me. So this is uh, in Somalia. Uh, that we were just uh, with life in abundance again, had been working for months. Dr. Florence is probably the most courageous person I've ever met. Uh, she goes into these areas, uh, and I say, are we ready yet in Somalia? And she said, not yet, Tom, not yet. So six months go by, eight months go by, and she finally comes to me and says, we're ready. So uh, I go, glory be to God. So, there's, so we go in there. There's underground churches of 12 to 15. We go in, they close the drapes, the windows, they worship. Uh, and uh, through these believers, we went in, and God said uh, he was going to make this even more interesting. One of the members of the team said, you realize, Tom, that we're going in during Ramadan? I said, no, this is great. There's six of us. There's these underground unbelievers, a handful of them. What is God going to do with this? So he was a little distraught where I got more excited. I thought, how's God going to use this? This is wonderful. So we go in there. Uh, we are all... Uh, uh, sensitive to their culture. We fasted with them during the clinics. All the women were covered in their hijabs. At first, uh, the, our translators were teachers of the Koran who were praising Allah every time we saw a patient. And we, and we couldn't say a word because we would be beaten and thrown in jail. But at the beginning, they wouldn't touch us. They thought we were infidels. By the week's time, uh, they were shaking our hands. They said, our minds have been changed about the West. You are not the devil. Uh, because I was taught early on in Afghanistan that you don't say that you're a Christian because that brings all of our culture 
and the Crusades. So we always say we're followers of Jesus. And they knew what we were. Uh, but they said, we've changed our mind. You came in love and compassion. You didn't, uh, you didn't take pictures and try and uh, promote yourselves. And uh, I tell the story uh, of my wife who was very nervous about going in the first place. But the head uh, uh, teacher there came up and said, do you mind if I hug you to my wife? And uh, she said, I thought we couldn't touch. And she, he said, you can't touch me. I can touch you. So he embraces her, and Karen is standing. I said, honey, it was like uh, hugging a tree for that guy because she was just standing there so still. But we made great waves. And, and Florence, the other night at our uh, Teach to Transform uh, conference we had, she asked, he, uh, Dr. Florence said the great movement is happening in the underground churches. So that one week there in the middle of a million Muslims during Ramadan, not being able to say one word of the gospel, uh, the Lord said, close your mouths, love them like I've taught you to do, and I've got the rest. And uh, glory be to him that he worked so powerfully there. So here's the modules we're starting to develop now. Agriculture, we're going to, I'll talk in, in a minute. We've got veterinarians calling me, who I know nothing about. They're saying we can use, there's a, there's a Christian veterinary society just like the medical. There's agriculture. There's farmers calling us from the surrounding states wanting to get involved with this. Uh, there's physical therapists wanting to build modules. I've got infectious disease doctors uh, that are, helping us with virtual doctors. So if I'm in Sudan and I see something, I can take a picture on my iPad. If I get access to technology, I can send it back to UofL. They give me an answer and send it back to me. So we've got virtual doctors now. I've had ophthalmologists, dermatologists helping us with a virtual doctors program. Uh, then they want to also, UofL wants to study the impact of these modules. So when we go in and teach OB, are we having an effect on mortality, morbidity? And if we do, then we want to document uh, the positives, and also what's working, what's not. So we're going to get some validity and research to support this. But, again, the point I want you to take home from this is it's not about these modules, not about the vet, the agriculture. It's about sharing the gospel, and that's why we, uh, we really want to uh, promote our gospel module that's going to have story of creation. Uh, depending on where we go, like in Somalia, you couldn't tell the story of Esther because she stands up. Those people would be hurt by that. So we do the woman at the well. With the agriculture, they're developing the, the parable of the sower with the soils so we can customize our gospel sharing with what we're trying to do. Uh, so the next generation uh, to care for the suffering are, are, so we're making contact with churches, mission departments, medical schools, residency programs, dental, veterinary, nursing, you name it. We're, we're going to contact them and trying to build, uh, build relationships. So we are going to connect with these as a partner so that when you're uh, – church calls me, your mission department in Florida, wherever you're at, and they say, we, we've talked to our partner and they need XYZ, then I'm going to have uh, the relationship built that we can uh, support your mission work and come to speak to your uh, mission department. So we want to serve with humility for God's glory and without creating dependency. So here's some of the things we've done. Uh, this is Dr. Bill Smock, UofL. I was able to talk to these students. They took our modules into... Uh, Kenya for the first time, and we have now built a relationship that we're going to go in and start building. Uh, these were all teachers, uh, and we're, we're planning a trip this summer to go back in and reinforce what this first team did. The important thing of this is how young that person is right there, and that's why I want to really hit the medical schools because they are the next generation. As we sat around talking about this ministry, I always noticed that there's a lot of gray hair in the room, and I said, we have to get the technology. Because when I do these things, I so rely on my, my young people. I am exhausted by nine. They're still playing and, and uh, doing the relationship building. So uh, that next generation is huge, so we have to disciple and empower where we go. Actually, actually Dr. Tim uh, uh, 
we got connected through Empower, which is dental. Uh, he had been going to this area in Ecuador for years, and for the first time we took a module in. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Kim Hine, Kim, Kim Hine, who is teaching the module. You can see how it's kind of laid out, and he's, he's kind of a, uh, the module sitting in her lap. So glory be to God. And you know what I love about this picture is if we don't witness to one or more than one or two people, look at the smile on her face. Look at the esteem that you've built. If we touch one or two people every time we go, they can make a huge difference. You know, there's a thing called the butterfly effect where um, there was a meteorologist named Lorenz who actually took, uh, he was doing weather pattern studies across the world, and he had a, a constant that he used, uh, and it was 0.506127. So in one day of haste, he just put in 0.506 thinking it was going to be insignificant. Well, he noticed thousands of miles away there was a tremendous change in weather patterns. And he called this the butterfly effect because it was equivalent to the, to the wind generated by a butterfly. So that small difference we make by touching just one or two people uh, can have such a tremendous effect in transformation. This is my partner, Dr. Couch, who does mission work in China. Uh, has been on many mission trips like me and, and, and was going and doing. So he took the modules into India. Uh, his challenge was they did not have any written language. So he said the most powerful thing about the modules was his pictures. So he's able to make some headway, and they're using, uh, and we're going to do some follow-up visits and walk with them. Uh, this is the virtual doctors. These are two infectious disease doctors who are helping me develop studies to, to promote this. Uh, Pastor Rowe, a uh, quick story uh, to emphasize once again uh, the importance of meeting the needs of our pastors. I uh, was in there after the earthquake. Uh, then I came home and I went into the emergency room uh, after it was like there was no time. I went from this carnage into the ER and I had people complaining about their ankle sprains. I waited five hours for my x-ray. And uh, you guys know who you are when you go to these, in, these busy, in these busy ERs. So I just said, I went home and I told my wife, I'm, I'm just over America right now. i got to go back. And so she, she goes, okay. Uh, and so I went back and met Pastor Rowe. And uh, one of the doctors I took in there, he was there one day, told Pastor Rowe, here's what we need to do to fix this situation. So I put my arm around him as we walked out, and I said, hey, did you uh, even understand how arrogant you just sounded? You've talked to a pastor who's been on this in Haiti for 27 years. You've been here one day, and you told him how to fix the situation. And he said, well, I just I looked at this. I said, did you ever think to ask him what he needed? No, that was a unique idea. So, again, we have to remember to humble ourselves. This is, again, Holland Kindle. This is the eye ministry he talks about. He uses these refractors. He's got people who were blind, couldn't take care of his family. Uh, two years later, you can see how thick these glasses are. Uh, we love the eye ministry because we teach the lay people on our trip who are the most powerful uh, witnessing tool we have. While we're busy doing the teaching, they're out making relationships. But... Uh, when we get a glass, you use the refractor, it comes onto the computer, the number comes up, and we know the real thick glasses. So we knew that we kind of go, okay, we've got one. So he put, we put these glasses on people that are so thick, and for the first time they're praising the Lord because it's uh, the gift of sight. So he now uh, is able to care for his family. He's got a job. Uh, these farmers were able to plant their crops. Uh, he po Holland points out that this guy in the lower-hand corner was seen for the first time. And you look at the look on his face. Uh, so they can read their Bibles. We have uh, readers that we do. Uh, pastors can do their ministries. And you can barely see this, but this is all the places in the world that he's at. So uh, Now, the other thing that came about, I met a, a man named Sam Padrell. He's been in Kenya uh, doing 1,000 cataract surgeries uh, a year for 10 years under a tree. So he has developed a scope that's there that he can put onto a table. 
you can see it there. And he does a technique that we don't use in the United States because we have all the technology, but he teaches uh, ophthalmologists in third world countries how to do this procedure. Uh, his goal is to teach 30,000 non-ophthalmology doctors this technique. So people like me, that we can go in, uh, and this has to be at a pretty high level, uh, so your, your partner has to be prepared to bring in people with cataracts. So we're very excited about doing this procedure, uh, and it's only in its infancy. So I get these farmers call me, and they say, we've heard about your Teach to Transform, and we want to, uh, this particular gentleman says, I have no special gift other than I can lift heavy things. And he has got a, a ministry in Uganda. Uh, he is from uh, South Carolina, I believe. I'm spacing out. But he was up here uh, at our conference two days ago. And he said, this orphanage was starving. Uh, I went in. I taught them how to raise crops to feed themselves. Uh, the children are now involved with the ministry. You can see here. He said, now they're not only feeding themselves, but they're supplying food to the villages around, and they're making a profit. His goal is to have an agricultural school within 10 years, and he's halfway there with a school of 200. Uh, this is a transformation of the community with agriculture. This is the children learning to, to raise their crops uh, in straight rows, plant them. He's actually going to Sudan in two weeks to teach the, the pastors in Sudan to take advantage of their uh, growing season. Uh, veterinary modules, we're going to go in and teach artificial insemination to increase milk production, teach them how to care for their cattle. Uh, again, we're doing that in December, uh, so we have now a veterinary module. And they're going to teach canning, pasteurization to eliminate disease, manage their livestock. King's Pride, is, like I said, has used the dental module. Uh, he's with Alabaster, Dr. Florence. So what the next step is, is we want you to, so we're going to target, we put out uh, with the help of Jim Headley, who's here in my room with me. He's been supporting me uh, with this ministry, and uh, I could not do this without him. But uh, we're target, targeting uh, these 2,000 uh, mission departments around the United States. We're going to offer to be a resource, uh, go to the mission departments, teach them how to do missions, and prepare them to go, uh, not only on this side, but I'm asking people who partner with me that if they're willing to go on a trip uh, once a year. We have an OB nurse who wants to go all the time, but she's asking her mission department to say, rather than support a long-term missionary, would you be willing to help me with my fees to go on short-term teams, and look at the impact we can have. They were there last evening to hear what we had to say. Uh, so she's actually gaining support from her mission department to support her in mission. So uh, using some unique ways to, to fund uh, our, our teams. So uh, the bottom line is serve with humility for God's glory. Set our egos aside. And um, God is doing a great work. Uh, I, just, I just have to get out of the way and let him go. So... Uh, that's it, and uh, I was wondering, any questions I can answer for you? Uh, I am asking you to spread this message to your mission departments, to your colleagues. Uh, I'll be happy to come to any, uh, anywhere you are and meet you and teach you how to do this. Uh, we're going to have conferences to bring people in to teach them. Uh, so we just want to get the word out as, as to how to have more of an impact with a short-term mission and serve with humility. Any questions? Have you, any of you done mission trips that you go and do? Lots of them. And I did the same thing. And the impact you can see is so much different. So going and doing, and that's, the, that's really been kind of the message of the Global Missions Health Conference here for the last few years with great leaders and, and mentors like Steve Saint trying to, to, uh, to have us realize that we have to serve with humility, not to go to fix these areas, but to go with the... With the uh, with preaching the gospel in mind. So 
It's, this is not about teach to transform. My goal is when I go into Sudan three years from now and someone said, what did Dr. Tom or LIA do for you? They don't know who Dr. Tom is. They don't know who LIA is. They know their pastor. They know that he's taking care of them. He's loving them and he's sharing the gospel with them. So we don't need, we need to, you know, coming from America, they said, uh, it's so interesting when you look at culture, this last comment I'll make, is that when I sit around a table with pastors and they're discussing what they need, um, uh, Steve Saint and my pastors have told me, as soon as an American speaks, they all stop. Because we unknowingly come from, a, we come from a tremendous country, lots of resources, and once we start speaking, the intimidation of what we're saying is they all stop. So he said, uh, if you can be slow to speak, it is so powerful to let them talk, let them work out, let them make mistakes, walk alongside them, but don't go to fix them. And it, I used to make so many mistakes culturally going in, being very direct in these warm climate cultures where I'd just go, hey, how are you? And then all of a sudden I go, hey, what do we need today? Rather than them, when they ask you how you are, they really want to know how you are. They want to know about your family. They'll stop everything to listen. And it's really been a lesson in humility for me. Uh, so be careful that when you, when you start talking to your partners that you don't uh, push your agenda on them, uh, especially when you're in country, being on teams because they'll do everything they can to meet your needs. If you say, we'd really like to go to that orphanage, and it wasn't in their agenda, they'll, they'll make it happen. And that was not part of the trip. So you, you really have to make sure your team members are prepared, uh, and that's what we do to help you do that. You have to be culturally prepared to have relationships and not uh, have your agenda uh, pushed on the field, because uh, that's their culture is to take care of you. And that's all I've got. I thank you for coming. I know this was a, a change in the agenda. Um, uh, very humbled to speak at this conference when you look around the great missionaries that are here. Um, so welcome, uh, and uh, I hope your time here is, uh, is very fruitful. Uh, I left some, um, some pamphlets in the back uh, with our contact information. If you want that, you can just grab it on the way out, and uh, I'll be around. If you see me, if you have any questions, I'll be happy to talk with you and... and uh, Discuss any, any thoughts you have about uh, uh, building a module. We're open to, to whatever you want to do. Thank you all.